Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room podcast. A 2020 report found that 1.7 million workdays are lost in Ireland annually because of bullying and also highlighted that one in 10 employees in Ireland have experience of being bullied. So with bullying being such a widespread and serious problem for organizations and employees alike, what can HR teams do to tackle this? Well, to talk about this topic today, we're delighted to be joined by HR Room first timer, our very own Joe Thompson, HR consultant here at Inside HR. Thanks for joining us, Joe. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Good, not too bad. And thanks for joining us. First first time for everything. Um, and we're also joined by our very own Liam Barton, Senior HR Consultant here at Inside HR. How are you, Liam? Very well, Owen. Thank you. Brilliant stuff. Uh, so look, let's jump right in and I'll come to yourself first, Liam, if that's all right. Um, so just to set a bit of context, Liam, I suppose, can you share some insights into kind of bullying in Irish workplaces? Obviously, it's quite prevalent, but what are some of the kind of common forms that people frequently encounter? How does it impact employees and organizations? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's there on, uh, I, I think it's something probably in recent times, um, people managers, people in industry have become more aware of, um, and it's probably been picked up in the media now more in the last couple of years than, than ever before. I know there was a survey done a number of years ago where, where Ireland was named the seventh worst country in Europe in respect of, of workplace bullying. I think that was back in, in 2018. So it is prevalent. Um, I, I think that there was a lot of talk around the whole time of COVID and the, the, the move to remote own. And the stats that are out there w- would tend to indicate that the move to remote didn't have that much of an impact in, in relation to workplace bullying. So if bullying was prevalent, um, irrespective of whether the person wasn't in contact person to person, face to face, during the day, the bullying could continue. So all the all the evidence suggests it can continue very much online, or it doesn't necessarily have to be person to person. So it is an issue for for Irish employers. Um, I would say, Owen, there's a massive disparity in terms of the organisations who have it at the top of their agenda that they don't allow bullying to take place. They have the policies and the procedures. They conduct the training. They have contact support people available. Um, they conduct employee engagement surveys to make sure that it's not prevalent or if it is or if it does happen, they take a very um, progressive, comprehensive approach in terms of mediation, investigations and, and so on. And then there are many organisations who will do practically nothing in this area. So in, in terms of the different types of bullying behaviour, it really varies. Um, you can certainly have what would loosely be, be described as verbal abuse. Um, and that could be, we've come across it, I've certainly come across it in, in, in terms of the, our client base where someone is literally roaring and shouting at someone in a warehouse or shouting and roaring so much in, in a boardroom 
that people on a different floor have to actually come up and see is everybody okay and, and whether the guardie might be required type of thing. Um, so certainly sh- shouting and roaring. I suppose other types of verbal abuse could be singling people out for criticism when it's really a, a team that's looked after a project, but one person on the team gets gets highlighted. Um, there seems to be a lot of, I suppose, what you might say, um, what years ago would be described as office politics, but sort of uh, creating silos and, and creating rumours or innuendo about certain people. Um, there's what we come across in our investigations, a sort of, which is difficult to to assess is the whole thing of non-verbal abuse, which could be, he gave me a dirty look. I didn't like the way he or she was looking at me. I knew by the way they looked at me, they were in a bad mood that morning. And that's very subjective, Owen and Joe. It's, it's very hard to, to define that. And, and then certainly, unfortunately, we've come across physical abuse um, where people have been, you know, had you know fists shaken in front of them, where people have been shouted and roared at in a very aggressive way where people are putting their head quite close to people in the, in the workplace. Um, we've had situations where you know we've been required where um, physical contra- confrontations and punches thrown and all this sort of stuff has has gone in work. So I don't want to paint a really bad picture on, but it, it is there. It's 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 something that happens, and it's it's very important that organisations are aware of it. And and in my ad- advice would be to assume it's happening, um, to assume it's happening within your organisation because that way. You treat it very seriously and you take the appropriate steps. I think, unfortunately, on sometimes organizations and indeed senior managers like to think, ah, oh, well, that wouldn't happen here. You know, we're, we're not that type of organization. That, no, absolutely not. And I think that's a really, really dangerous approach to take because I think it, it sort of um, may allow a mini culture of bullying to, to, to emerge uh, where people think, well, look, that couldn't possibly happen here. Definitely. It's quite a multifaceted, fairly complex for something that might seem so simple on the face of it, there is a lot to it, so it's great to get those insights. Um, I suppose, luckily, Joe, then there is obviously kind of legal foundations to this, to preventing, managing and that kind of stuff. So can you talk to us a little bit about the relevant legislation? I believe there's a code of practice that's not so new, but about a year and a half old now. Yeah, I mean, we can look at it from a couple of different places, really. I mean, firstly, the provision law against bullying is actually the Safety, Health and Welfare Act. And in general terms, we know all employers have to provide a safe work environment for their employees. But the Act actually states that employees must prevent any improper conduct or behaviour likely to put the um, the health and welfare of employees at risk. Um, and that includes bullying, obviously. And the second, from a HR perspective, is the one that we refer to the most, and that's the Code of Practice on the Prevention Resolution of Bullying. And we in HR, we would build our policies around that document. It's the the bare minimum requirement. You can extrapolate from that if you'd like to, but it does set out the the standard of what's expected when you're putting together an anti-bullying policy or or a dignity and respect policy as well. Um, And actually that code of practice was updated quite recently because there is you know a preference i'm sure from all business perspectives to deal with the matter informally as soon as it gets to a formal matter it becomes adversarial you get businesses like ours having to come in and and do full full-scale investigations and bullying ones in particular can take long periods of time there's a lot in them they're very detailed they're looking over a long period of time as well 
So um, the preference is always to deal with it informally. Um, and I suppose the third part to consider is, you know, is case law as well. I know that we, we talk about it being inappropriate behavior, but it's repeated and that it's, um, you know, but when it comes to case law, the, the case that we always talk about is roughly versus the Board of Management for St. Anne's, which plays a huge burden of proof on the person trying to actually say that they were bullied. I mean, the, the, the actual definition that was laid out by the Supreme Court was that um, it needs to be outrageous, unacceptable, and exceeding all bounds tolerated by decent society. So, I mean, you know, that definition in itself is huge for somebody to go then to their employer and for their employer then to substantiate a claim of bullying using that as the burden of proof. So there's a lot in it. You know, we, we do grow up with this idea that bullying is, is in the playground and, and it's pushing and it's shoving, but it's so much more than that. And the, and the definitions in the code of practice do state that it can come in, in many different ways, as, as Liam laid out there before. Definitely. And it's important to actually note the case laws, because that's something that people might tend to, to forget about when they look at the, the legal foundation. So it's important to, to see what's happening out there. So I'm uh, delighted to share about that too, Joe. Um, I suppose then, kind of alluding to your, your last point then, Joe, and kind of leading on from it. So when an employee, I suppose, does approach HR with a complaint of workplace bullying, I suppose, what are the kind of key steps that HR should take to kind of handle the situation effectively, but also sensitively? Is, is there kind of a set process? I mean, firstly, it's hugely important to have a dignity at work or an anti-bullying policy in place, because for managers and, and ourselves, HR professionals, you need a roadmap to make sure that you take the crucial first steps in the right direction. I mean, my approach would always be to talk through the policy and, and make employees aware of the options they have and let them know that the company will support them with whichever avenue they decide to take, whether it's informal or formal. Um, you know, the, the employee can also start down an informal route, and if they're not satisfied, then, then take the formal route afterwards as well. It doesn't mean that by taking one, they negate the other. From a HR perspective, it's, it's about offering guidance and supports. You know, if if you have employee assistance programs in place, um, offer them to everybody involved, not just to the, the complainant, but the respondent as well of the complaint, because, you know, everybody involved in that situation is going through a very stressful time. And you're there to, you know, at the same time, you may have been through this process on a number of occasions. To those who are the complainant and the respondent, it could be their first time and it could be overwhelming. It could be disturbing. So just offering that guidance is very important indeed. 100%. And I suppose, Liam, kind of similar question for yourself, because I know you've, again, both of you have kind of done a lot of these investigations. I think a key question, Liam, is how can HR kind of strike that balance then between, I suppose, supporting the complainant, but also conducting a fair investigation? It's probably not as easy as we, we, we'd seem or we'd, we'd initially think of it. Yeah, it, it, it's such a good question, Owen, because, I mean, um, it's probably where organizations and managers go wrong. Um, and even thinking back to my own training in HR, I can remember years and years ago, Owen, um, being given a scenario, um, you know, someone has approached you, you know, late in the evening, they say they're being bullied, what do you do? And the advice, which I still use today was, you go to your policy and procedure. And I remember as a young person starting off in HR, that, that sounds terribly inadequate. I mean, I have somebody here in front of me, um, you know, who's tearful, who's saying they're being bullied, um, they're upset. And I suppose 
we have to sort of, and it sounds counterintuitive, almost limit our emotional involvement. Um, and remember that there are there are always two parties, um, and it's in a sense an allegation that is being made. It's unproven. Um, and as Joe rightly points out, Owen, I, I think th- th- there's a real key thing that perception versus reality. And the reality in terms of the legislation, as Joe's outlined, the code of practice, the case law, the bar in relation to bullying is extremely high. In other words, you can have a shouting and roaring match of a one-off situation, which isn't bullying. So more often than not, when we look at things, the behavior that's being um, uh, exhibited might be unprofessional. Um, it mightn't be the nicest or most polite way to deal with people, but it mightn't be bullying or mightn't constitute bullying in terms of the legisla- legislation and the, and the codes of practice. So I think a real key piece is, as Joe as I lo- alluded to, having the policy and procedure is, is one part. Um, making sure that everyone is aware of the policy and procedure and knows the definitions and also has had whether it's a one-hour online workshop, whether it's a, a person-to-person uh, workshop with someone like Joe or Megan on our team, um, but that people understand this is what bullying is, this is what it represents, this is how it defines, this is not what we want in our organization and won't be tolerated. But here are some of the examples of what bullying isn't. And for example, um, taking somebody through a performance improvement plan, setting robust targets, aggressive targets, um, giving them feedback, meeting them on a weekly one-to-one basis is not bullying, provided the targets are reasonable and fair and people are being p- treated appropriately. So I, I really think there's a few core cornerstones, which is an up-to-date policy. Most policies, I'm sure Joe and Megan and the team come across, are outdated. They're not updated in line with the new code of practice. So making sure that's updated on an annual basis. Doing dignity at work awareness training within your organization is fundamental. Most organizations we come across don't do it on um, for some reason. Um, and there's probably a lax attitude that they're very responsive when something happens, but not preventative in terms of, of their approach. So I definitely highlight the policy and procedure, um, the awareness training for managers and non-managers. So everyone is clear both in terms of the policy and procedure, but also the expectations of behavior within the workplace. And if if somebody sees a, manage, a senior manager doing something which could be deemed to be inappropriate, then they will deem that that's okay because they see a leader within the organization do it. So I think culture and, and what people see and hear and the way people behave so that, you know, if a sales target is, is, is not met, it's not appropriate for the sales manager to be shouting and roaring at the sales representative. Now, he, he or she can give robust feedback and say, look, we need to hit our targets here um, or possibly take them through a performance improvement plan. But um, shouting and roaring at them uh, uh, in a boardroom with five or six other sales representatives is just not, not really the, the appropriate way to go. Um, so I think culture is, is very, very important as well. Owen. Definitely. I suppose perfect segue on to my next question then, Joe, and I suppose directly linked to what Liam has just said, that old prevention piece, that being proactive strategy and approach is, is, is vitally important really when it comes to stuff like bullying and these kind of serious issues, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, to me, like, like Liam said there, it's a, it's a two-stage or two-pronged attack for me. Firstly, implement a strong and comprehensive policy and then train your employees on, on what that policy means to the business from a business perspective. You know, and that means dignity and respect training, like ensuring they understand what constitutes bullying and what constitutes harassment and sexual harassment and how the company will deal with each of that nature. And just going back to the other point quickly as well, is that when you do get a complaint from somebody who's come to you saying that they've been bullied, sit them down, make them aware of their options and ask them to choose which way they'd want to go first. Because that way you don't have somebody coming back to you at a later date to, they, to say they felt railroaded through, through a process. You know, make them understand what's involved in a formal process. There's no such thing as a, uh, a confidential complaint. If, if you want to make a complaint about somebody, you're you're going to have to go through the process yourself. No part of it is going to be hidden. But um, from a company perspective, when you implement a policy, you, you can't just sit there and have it to be implicit. It, it needs to be explicitly explained to all the employees. And if when you're doing that, one, firstly, you're, you're, making, you're fulfilling your obligation to employees to give them a safe place to work. But secondly, you're reducing the exposure the company has to possible issues of vicarious liability. If there is a complaint down the line, you have somebody who says, I've been bullied at work. We were never trained on, on bullying, on, on a policy. Then you're not going to have a good outcome in external processes such as the WRC. So it is very important to go through first implementing the policy and then training employees on it. You know, the, the company has to encourage a respectful workplace culture and just having a handbook with a policy written in it isn't going to be sufficient. 100%. And that training, I suppose, Joe, has to be extensive as well, doesn't it? I mean, line managers, employees, and you really, I suppose, is, is training one of the, and you've mentioned a couple of things there, but is training one of those really big kind of foundational pieces when it comes to this kind of stuff? I feel like when I go into workplaces and do training, I feel that the the feedback that I get from people that are engaging in the training is that they didn't really understand the full scope of what's involved or what could be considered to be bullying or harassment or sexual harassment. You know, sometimes there's there's incredulous reactions such as you can't do anything anymore. But but the fact of the matter is it's it's how the behavior is perceived by the person receiving it. And we all have the right to take a complaint to our employer, whether that be a grievance, a bullying complaint, or a harassment complaint. So, you know, making people understand what's involved in them through training is is of huge importance. 100%. And I suppose, Liam, kind of, I suppose, kind of building on from that again, then, I suppose there is, as you mentioned kind of earlier on, there's some sort of, I suppose, more kind of subtle way or less overt ways that bullying can manifest. So when it comes to that training piece, again, I suppose, Liam, how can... HR professionals, whoever's in charge of the training piece, educate employees, managers about recognizing and addressing some of those slightly less overt forms of bullying. It's probably something that you don't want to forget about, Liam, is it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, it can manifest itself in any number of ways. Um, that can be disengagement. Um, that can be higher levels of absenteeism. Um, it can be, in some cases, I want to communicate by email. I don't want to communicate in person, or I don't want to pick up the phone and, and talk to someone. Um, it can be a reluctance to come to meetings. Um, it can be a nervousness or an anxiousness. Um, it can be 
almost monosyllabic answers or responses when they're being asked asked particular questions. Um, so it, it can manifest itself um, in any number of ways. I do know there's there's a significant number of of workdays lost as a result of of bullying in in Ireland every year. So I think the training piece is incredibly important because what I see happens on, um, and I was just thinking about that when, when Joan was giving the answer to the, the previous question, what often happens is somebody has an issue and there's a policy and procedure and sometimes they go to their line manager and say, I think I'm being bullied. And Joe's answer is, is absolutely perfect in relation to, well, here are the different approaches, here's how we can help, have a look at it, and come back and think think about it and come back to us and see how we can help resolve the issue together. Um, and giving tools for resolution almost um, in, in the situation. And unfortunately, on the reality of what happens, someone goes to their line manager and says, look, Joe Hunt, I think I'm being bullied. And very often the line manager panics. And they run off and they might ring someone in human resources or they might have a look at themselves or in some cases which i've come across during the years they go off and they do their own little bit of digging or they approach the person hey mary murphy is after saying that you are bullying her now i think this is out outrageous um and you know she's really really upset and all of a sudden then is this informal is it formal but what part of the policy and procedure where are we at and, you know, you might very well get a solicitor's letter from the person who's been approached or who these allegations are, have been made against. So I think training is is incredibly important that people actually, one of the things where, where organizations, I think, go wrong on is that they tend to do something outside of the scope of what the policy and procedure defines. And policy and procedure defines, okay, informal resolution, you know, secondary informal resolution stage, and that you define, okay, Here's where we're at. We're going to try mediation. Okay, mediation hasn't worked. We're going to try um, another approach. Okay, that hasn't worked. So we've now tried approach A and approach B. We're going to go to a formal investigation. And that all parties to the process know exactly where they are in terms of the stages within the, the individual policy or procedure. And, and very often, a line manager or somebody on, it can often be an owner or a director, will take it upon him or herself to just take it an approach, and suddenly it, it arrives at NHHR. That I don't see this approach in the policy and procedure. Um, so I think it's incredibly important that we do give training and awareness around the whole area of bullying at work and what it constitutes, what it is, and what it isn't, and how to safely approach it. And that we give the resources and tools to line managers and HR practitioners to support people, both. The person who is alleging bullying is taking place and the person against whom these allegations, uh, ideally informally, but if there isn't a formal process that everyone knows where we are in the stages and that that they adopt the process in line with the, the policy and the procedure that's in place in the in the company. Definitely. It's a perfect segue on to my next question, Liam, then around, I suppose you've, you've both mentioned it could be quite a, a kind of a, a complex and stressful process for either the victim of bullying or the, the alleged perpetrator. Um, so obviously there is a bit of a support system, a few supports that need to be provided, I suppose, during the investigation, during the whole process, I suppose, not just the investigation. Any thoughts on, I suppose, some of those supports or even just the, the kind of softer skills, the 
actual supports that are there? How, what can we do to, I suppose, make it easier for people to, to get through this already kind of complex and, and tough process? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of evidence on that the majority of people who say they're being bullied at work don't do anything about it. Um, they suffer in silence or they talk to their partner or their friend or uh, their parent. Um, reasons why um, they don't do anything about it. The person who's bullying me is higher up the food chain. Um, the person who's doing it is a specialist in their area. Uh, even if I'm believed, the behavior won't change because um, this particular person within the organization has a halo over his or her head and they're well regarded. Um, it'll continue. So in other words, there'll be an investigation or there'll be training or something, but I know it'll continue. So very often people who believe uh, that they are being bullied get their CV out, start looking for roles on LinkedIn and, and move on to another another organization. So it's it's really, really important within the culture and the fabric of the organization that it's okay to say, I have an issue. And, you know, I would always encourage people and say, look, you know, let's have a coffee. I didn't like the way you spoke to me at the Teams meeting in front of my colleagues. Um, or I didn't like the way you put across what happened in relation to the project or, or whatever it was. So that there's an open culture of, of feedback processes. Um, but in relation to, I think it's important to say that the, the majority, the research would say the majority of people who believe they're being bullied tend not to make a complaint, either formal or informal. And there are reasons behind that that I suppose are cultural and very often it, it can even be if we go into the school scenario, if, you know, if, if a parent feels their child is being treated, you know, unfairly by a teacher, they're going to make a complaint, it'll actually make the situation worse. So there's that sort of um, feeling about it. So I think it's important that the culture is good within the organization and supportive, that people feel it's okay to come forward and say, I feel I'm being bullied, if that is what is being set out in the policy and procedure. And it should be okay for the organization or someone within the organization to say, we have an issue here between A and B, right? There is an issue. Now let's sit down, let's use an external mediator, let's put A and B together, let's try and resolve it uh, that way. Um, I think very often when the emotions take over, and it's, it's like Joe said, it becomes very emotional, people will get defensive. How dare that person say that about me? Uh, I never behaved like that. And actually, it's that person who is the problem and not me. And then it becomes very much a, a tit-for-tat uh, type of, of, of scenario. So I think having a contact support person within the organization, which is very often external to HR, to say, oh, look, here's the dignity at work policy. I'm going to go through that with you. Here's bullying. Here's what that is. Here are the characteristics. Here are some of the types of examples. Um, you know, we have informal resolution, we have formal resolution. Um, here's what the policy and procedure says, and here are the ways we can resolve this. And I, I, I think the language is incredibly important, Owen, in terms of resolution, 
let's try and come together. Let's try and uh, find a collaborative approach. Even the language, um, I, I, I find when complaints come in, they're, they're, they're framed in a very, as Joe say, adversarial way. So it's very much a, an A versus B or a them versus us type scenario. So it's important that we introduce collaboration. So I think a good policy and procedure, definitely every six to 12 months, dignity of work awareness training, having a contact support person within the organization on. But it is incredibly important that that person isn't just, ah, yeah, we'll get you to do it. You know, and there is that, you know, we'll get that person, should they be great at doing that? And then there is an issue in the contact support person. I've never really been trained about the dignity of work policy. I don't really know anything about it. Like, what's what's that meant to be about? So organizations have to invest resources in this because bullying is bad for business and bad for profits. Um, so I think having a contact support person, having them trained, having an employee assistance program, having counseling, that someone can go to someone outside the organization. And, and the key word here is confidentially talk about what's happening in their lives is incredibly important and and so i would say definitely having contact support people within your organization and having an appropriate employee assistance program for both the the person who's making the allegation and the person against whom the allegation is made and that the contact support person for obvious reasons are different so that there's not just one or one contact support person who has to do a dual role of hearing what the person making the allegation and the person against whom the allegation is made, that there's appropriate um, demarcation between the, the people within the organization. 100% and a lot to it and so much we can do. And I suppose when it comes to that final question, then it's something I'll come to, to both of you on, uh, when I come to yourself, Joe, first, if that's all right. So when it comes to, I suppose, any kind of final key advice for someone who might be worried that there's a bit of culture of bullying in their organization or someone that simply wants to know more about managing this challenge, I suppose, any kind of, key tips, I suppose, in relation to what Liam was saying there, Joe, probably a lot of this is not just talking to talk and having a policy and communicating it, but walking the walk as well and actually living the policy, providing those supportive environments, all that kind of stuff. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, well, Liam answered most of it there, but I mean, I'm sure all, all of us have worked in fast-paced, high-pressure environments where deadlines are tight and everything was due yesterday. It doesn't offer an opportunity to scream and shout and rant and rave or micromanage or single people out for, for particularly harsh treatment. A balance needs to be found. And I think Liam said as well is that, you know, fair performance management is not bullying. Anyone who has had somebody reporting to them or been a manager has been in a situation where they needed to make corrective actions towards the employee. You, you shouldn't be scared of that to, you know, it's important from a business perspective that you're, you're still able to do that, to, to effectively manage people. But you need to be respectful too. And that's where the training is so important because it draws distinctions on what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. You know, I mean, it, Liam said as well that bullying continues to be a huge problem in Ireland and globally. And I think it's uh, the Times ran a story last year where it's 9% of employees have reported being bullied and that's just the people that have reported it. It's, 1.7 million days of work are missed due to bullying each year in Ireland. It's, it's a huge problem and even bigger in places like India and, and America. But from the perspective of somebody who's looking for help, speak to HR if you have a HR um, department, raise concerns where you see it, document instances where you feel you've seen or witnessed inappropriate behavior 
and, and consult the company handbook. Now, if you're being silent, then, this, then the issue is not going to go away. It's not going to fix itself because it's cultural. And, and the culture is cultivated at the very top level. So when companies are training, it's not just the employees where all of the directors and the senior management are around, but they're not actually sitting in the training. Everybody has to do it because it comes from the top and then it cascades through the rest of the business. You know, from the bullying does not have to become an inadvertent side effect or collateral damage or, or trying to of trying to achieve high performance. You know, it's it's important that you can still manage people, but to do it fairly and respectfully. And if you see it where you feel like it's been inappropriate behavior, call it out where possible. Hundred percent. And I suppose Liam, any kind of final advice from yourself? There, I think two words that jumped out to me from what Joe was saying there: kind of respect mm. and balance as well. And you could use those in so many different aspects of this country. Yeah, it, 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 I, I so believe that's such an important word is respect. And if we had, we, we, we talk about dignity and respect in the workplace, I think both words are obviously incredibly important, but that I, I always feel on, you know, if you're respectful in your interactions with people and, you know, as Joe was saying there, it's, it's, we have to have difficult conversations within the workplace. Uh, it, it isn't a utopia where everyone <laughs> performs at an incredibly superhuman level um, within every organization. So certain people will, will, will have challenges and difficulties in certain aspects. Um, I think it's incredibly important to articulate those, that you're respectful, um, and that you behave in an appropriate and professional uh, manner towards people, I think what Joe said is, is a very important point that everyone has to do the training and people will pick up on optics if, you know, only one out of seven of the senior management team bothered to go to the Dignity at Work Awareness training. What signals are they sending to the organization? I don't think this is really important, you know? Um, so it, it, it's important for people in X and Y team within the organization to attend, it's not important for me. And and very often you end up with microcultures in terms of, well, actually, I think it's okay to shout and roar at people. Um, and it's not. And, you know, I, I really do think that it's such a fundamental building block that everyone attends the training. We walk the talk and talk the talk in terms of the appropriate interactions and that we we address things one of the other issues that that comes up one is somebody makes a complaint or somebody raises a concern ah yeah we'll deal with that you know we've we've more important things to be dealing with at the minute you know we've got quarter one in the counts or you know the sales figures are down slightly we'll we, we, you know we'll come back to you in a few weeks and it's so important that it's addressed appropriately and the time for early intervention is when somebody raises a concern immediately, then get in, get people talking, try and have a dialogue, ideally have an independent facilitator or mediator or someone within the organization who has the empathy and emotional intelligence to handle a difficult conversation and to bring people together. Um, so that that's not a job for, dare I say it, the chairman of the local GAA club on, or somebody who somebody knows from up the street. It is so important that you engaged 
you engage somebody within the organization who is a skilled practitioner who will know the language and terminology to use um, in terms of informal resolution. And I do think that's that's very often where organizations go wrong because in this area, this is something that will panic people on. And it, panic, it panics people, even very senior HR people who have 20, 25 years experience will be panicked when they see that word on a complaint. And um, sometimes they'll automatically go for an investigation when there's actually not a requirement for an investigation, but we can dialogue this um, between us. So I, I think taking sound advice and, and, and taking professional advice is also incredibly important. And we, we would deal, and Joe and the team would deal with this every day of the week. And we have the, the, the experience and the expertise to support our organizations. And I think it's very important to get professional advice and support in these areas. 100%. And look, it's so important to get these things right as well. It's not a, a kind of a situation you want to go wrong and make make worse. So look, but thankfully a lot people can do as well. And, and a lot of great points shared by, by Joe and Liam there, which is fantastic. And look, we do make it no secret that we also do provide services in, I suppose, every aspect of this as well, from contracts and handbooks, drafting policies, all that kind of stuff, right up to training, investigations, and everything else. So do please reach out to us if you do feel panicked as Liam says or you just want to know more or if it's happening and you want to want to bring it to a resolution. So look, thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be cat we'll be uh, sorry, we'll, we'll be back next week for our next installment of the podcast where we'll actually be covering a similar uh, topic in the sense that we'll be covering harassment and sexual harassment and kind of a similar train of thought. Uh, so do uh, keep an eye out for that and make sure to listen in. Also don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels about any of these topics. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us again today at InsideHR.ie. Thank you, Liam, and thank you, Joe. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Owen. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like, and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.